Hello and welcome into another edition of the Happening Hoops Radio Show. My name is Ethan Hennessy and I'm here with my co-host. Chase Heckman, welcome back everybody to the Happening Hoops Show. We did one last week and now we're back for a championship preview and a little bit of a Final Four recap as well as talking about some of the other championship uh, tournaments as well such as the NIT, and I think you want to talk a little bit more probably since you didn't get the chance to last time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, but we'll spend the majority of the show talking about the uh, the Final Four here and uh, giving you a little bit of a preview for uh, tonight's national championship game. So thank you all for joining us on the show. If you're listening on the podcast, this already happened. But if you're listening on the live show, we thank you for joining us. Um, well, we thank you for joining us either way. So, uh I guess we'll get right into it and talk a little bit of uh, college basketball here. Dude, heck yeah, man. I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited for tonight's championship game, although it, it does seem kind of like a consensus, doesn't it, on who uh, is the favorite going into the game. At least most um, most experts that I've read, it seems it like. It how, seems how about like... we talk about the matchups that already happened first, for sure. the semifinals. So in the first game we had uh, the 11-seed Loyola Chicago, uh, the Cinderella, and um, in the other game it was uh, two one-seeds Villanova and Kansas. So in the first game, um, Michigan won. They beat Loyola Chicago 69-57. to 57. Um, I think that it was great to have a mid-major in the Final Four again this year. It had been a while, um, and it's always good to see that representation. What was the last one? Wichita, right? Uh, was it Wichita? I think, yeah, Wichita in 2013. Was, was Final Four. Yeah. 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 So an amazing Cinderella run, it seemed like. And it really did. They were, what, they were up 10 with, like, 10 minutes to go, I think. Um, and it really did seem like they might pull it out. It was it was honestly shocking. and But Michigan is Michigan. They're, they're a tournament team, and, and they really didn't surprise anybody by winning this game by 12 points. But um, amazing comeback by Michigan. Staring down that 10-point deficit, it's, it's really impressive. And I think the most impressive factor of that game was Mo Wagner. And obviously going to be an X factor in tonight's game as well. Um, but Mo Wagner, 24 points, 15 rebounds. I mean, he just took this game over in the second half pretty much and carried his team, essentially. Um, I think Charles Matthews, yeah, Charles Matthews also scored in double digits, but Matthews and Wagner were the only two Michigan players to score in double digits, so um, kind of a two-man, two-man-headed monster um, that kind of led the way for Michigan to win that game. But like you said, Loyola, amazing run, and um, hopefully this paves the way to see more Cinderella runs because really this was a crazy Cinderella type tournament wasn't it yeah it was and I I hope that the committee puts more mid-majors in the tournament in future years because we've seen that they're really capable and also part of the argument too is that oh well you know people aren't people don't want to watch them and it's not as good ratings but they had higher ratings for Loyola Chicago's semifinal game this year than I think any yeah, of the semifinal games the past two years. The final four games did rate better than the past two, I believe so. Yeah, so um, I mean, people want to see it, and, so, yeah. And and those are teams that are capable of winning games, as we've seen, not just with Loyola Chicago this year, but with you know Marshall and um, UMBC and uh, what was the other one? Buffalo that the upset. Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, you got lots of mid-major teams winning games, and it's. You know, and it's sad though because obviously the committee's not going to change their mind on this issue just because the Cinderella team went to the Final Four. It's happened before, and they haven't changed. For example, Wichita State from the exact same conference too. Yeah. So um, this won't really change anything, I think, um, to give the pessimistic view on it. But um, 
it's still amazing to see and to think about. I think I brought this up last week. I can't remember if I did or not, but um, Loyola would not have gotten in if they hadn't won their conference championship, right? Yeah, they really wouldn't. They wouldn't have because they had, what, six losses coming in? Or five. I think it was five. And St. Mary's got left out, and they were ranked like pretty much all year, right? And you know who you can thank for that? At least I... I'd say, I mean, partially to perhaps a good portion of the of the blame there. What's that? NC State, because NC, NC State refused to play them. As NC, we talked about in this. Program. Oh, you're talking about the home and home. Yes. Home and home that they were. Because if they had beaten NC State, that would have been another resume win there, and then maybe they would have put them in. Yeah, NC State might have gotten in with a win over Loyola too. That probably would have they, been the X they, factor they, they though. They did get in. But or I, I meant that. I meant. I sorry. I misspoke. I I, I was just repeating oh, what okay, you were saying. Yeah, I yeah. I misspoke there. But um. No, I, I do agree with that, and I do agree that it is kind of a chicken move to kind of buy that out because that would have increased the RPI of both teams. That could have maybe gotten NC State a higher seed. Yeah. Now that's pushing it, but it's still it's it's a Loyola Chicago was a top thirty five RPI team. So. And I'm interested to see because I feel like I wasn't paying attention really to the scheduling last time. Um, a mid major was in the final four the year after. If Loyola yeah. Chicago this upcoming year will get better opponents perhaps in home and homes or if it will be the exact opposite and it will be worse opponents. I'm also interested to see with UMBC, but kind of for a different reason because they're not exactly in the same class as Loyola Chicago. But I'm interested to see now if teams you know, view them as a more reputable opponent and they'll actually schedule them or if teams become even more afraid of them. Right. Um, we already know one game in Loyola Chicago's non-conference schedule. That is uh, they will be hosting Nevada, but that's for the Mountain West Missouri Valley Challenge. And that's because both teams are forced to play that game. So it's not something that was agreed to. But it will be a great matchup nonetheless, a, a rematch of the, was it Sweet 16 or Elite 8 game? I think Elite 8 game, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it will be a rematch of, of that game. So I'm really looking forward to that. And hopefully we can get over to Gentile Arena for that one. That should be a great Yeah, one. that should be really good. Um, Wait, yeah, Nevada. Nevada was the Elite 8 game. Yeah. Right. So, um, which was great because we were guaranteed a mid-major in the Final Four. Yeah. That's why everybody was happy on mid-major Twitter, Yep, um, including me. But, um, no, it's just I think that um, because Loyola was such a balanced team, they were they really impressed me all year with their with their ball. Their ball movement was a work of art. Mm-hmm. Like, you watched their ball movement. It was beautiful. And um, this was really, if they were in a high-major conference, they really would have gotten at least – a six or a yeah, five. Yeah, I think, I think there should have been a higher seed as it is. Yeah. Um, at least a ten. If that not that ball nine. movement made them look like a seven or a six seed, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. They were just, you know, they're so balanced, and um, they had a, they have a great center in Crutwig, Cameron Crutwig. Um, he's only a freshman this year. Right. He's going to be dominating Missouri Valley teams in the oh, years to yeah, come. For sure. He is such a matchup problem for, for Valley teams. Um, and it, teams in general, as, as he's shown in the tournament, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what what's kind of been your favorite part about this Cinderella run that that Loyola's had, concerning just mid majors and and stuff like that. Well, Sister Jean. <laughs> n- um, I'd say probably my favorite part is just I I like having a mid major in it and having the casual fans you know right. see that oh a mid major can can do this and you know mm-hmm. they they're very capable. I also like the fact that it was somebody from Valpo's conference that, um, you know, we get to play often, twice a year, and, 
showcase how good the Missouri Valley Conference is. Um, I guess I, I also like too that that uh, it was Porter Mosier that was coaching the team because he's he's yeah. such he's such a great guy. Stand and up, I, and I'm so happy for him that he got the chance to um, showcase how good of a coach he is. And I was reading a few articles on him yesterday or on Saturday before the game, um, and they were just talking about like how incredibly like humble he is and i I think that's great it's also cool for us because we interviewed a final four coach yeah and we were 10 minutes away from also interviewing a national championship appearance head coach yeah which was uh just they were that close i mean that's pretty cool though to to interview a final four i yeah it's it's awesome and congratulations to us congratulations (laughs) you know we like to inflate our egos here at happening hoops um if, but, if we really want to inflate our egos, we can talk about how on Saturday, the day of the national championship, the Loyola uh, Ramblers basketball count. Okay, at see Happening now, Hoops, I don't like to seen be by a hundred and two thousand people. I don't like to be the the <laughs> uh, the bearer of bad news, but I think they did that for a lot of people. I think they did too, but still. But that, that's okay. That, that doesn't we change the significance. For we, me. Won't, <laughs> we won't. We uh, won't mention that when we uh, put it on our website or anything. Um, but anyway, no, I just I think. Um, I think this is probably, probably, I can I can't speak tonight. It's all right. Probably one of the best mid-major teams in the tournament I've ever seen, um, because they have so much balance and they have so many go-to. They don't have a go-to scorer, right? It seem, but it seems like they can give the ball to four or five different players, maybe even six, because they have Andre Jackson coming off the bench, right? Oh, that yeah, can that they can the rely on to score big buckets. Right, mm-hmm. and this was evidenced by multiple game winners. You had Ingram hitting a game winner against Miami. I think Custer hit the one against Tennessee. Yeah, and then Towns hit the one against Nevada. So yeah, it they have so many different like go to guys that are all that all want to hit that big shot, you know. And so that's what's great about this mid major team is that on a lot of good mid major teams in the in the tournament, you have like one name that you're supposed to look for, right? Yeah, Loyola has like six, which is great. <laughs> so uh, but, switching gears from uh, game one to game two, um, as we have another coach who uh, is is just a really good person, and Jay Wright, um, his Villanova Wildcats beat uh, the Kansas Jayhawks ninety five to seventy nine. They hit so many threes in that game. Pretty. They just couldn't even stop. All five players on the court could shoot. Could shoot the three for Villanova. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I do believe, yeah, every 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 uh, player on their in their starting lineup hit at least two threes. Um, and so they they finished with eighteen made threes on the game. They shot forty five percent from three um, overall against Kansas. And so um, we'll talk about that later if if we think they can keep that three point shooting up against Michigan. Mm-hmm. But um, just an amazing because yeah, you're right. They have. Even their forwards, um, Eric Pascal and Omari Spellman, they can shoot the three. Pascal, one of their forwards, was four for five from three. So it's like anybody in that starting lineup can shoot the three. And in today's in today's era, no wonder they're so efficient because they have they're, they're the Golden State Warriors in that game anyway. They don't shoot the three that well um, normally, but at least I don't think. Um, but it's just amazing what they did that game. Um, and with Jalen Brunson winning player of the year, it's just this Villanova team, speaking of teams like Loyola, they're so balanced. 
And another player that I want to highlight, I don't even think he's in the starting lineup, but he's he's really good, Dante DiVincenzo. Oh, yeah. Um, super quick and uh, is really good at getting into the lane and drawing contact. So I mm-hmm. think that um, he's we'll, – we'll get to it later, but he, he could be a player that is uh, – in a, in a big role tonight in the mm-hmm. championship game. Brings constant uh, scoring off the bench. Averages double digits in points um, coming off the bench. 13, I believe, is what his points average is, which is really impressive for a bench player. So very efficient um, six-man. And um, I guess just the most imp- kind of... what I What I look at in this Villanova team is that, as far as I can see... They're so elite that they don't have a weakness, you know. They're a great rebounding team. They can shoot the ball well. They play. Hey, there's our our, our friend of this radio show, Eric Krasansky. There he is. Um, but anyway, he Villanova. Um, they can shoot the ball really well. Great defense. They have like a top five defensive efficiency according to Ken Palm, something like that. I can't remember. Um, they're just so balanced all around. Um, elite in offense and defense. And so this team really has no weakness as far as I can see. I mean, I don't know about you. You're 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 more knowledgeable about the Big East than I am. No, I mean but, v- Villanova um there there's a reason they're a one seed. They they haven't lost a game this season that's mm-hmm. not a Big East conference game. Mm-hmm. Non-conference or NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um and they're they're really good. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, just Everybody can score. Everybody can shoot. Um, they're a well-coached team. Uh, they don't make a whole lot of mental mistakes. And, yeah, they're, they're clearly the favorite for tonight. Um, but I guess before we get to the the uh, championship matchup tonight, we'll probably recap the other championships. Dude, um, sweet. That happened. So we'll start first with the uh, – You can lead off with this one, dude. With the NIT. Um, I think – I can't remember if we talked about the semifinals. We did. I'm pretty time. sure we did. We talked about the semifinals, and then we tried to get into CIT, and we uh, ended the show there. Okay, yeah. So the finals then was uh, Penn State and Utah. Um, it wasn't really particularly a close game. Penn State had the home court advantage, but I feel like it wasn't really that that won. I just felt like they were the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, they, Pat Chambers has really done a good job to turn around the program there. Um, they had a guy, I'm forgetting who it was, but he declared for the NBA draft. Carr? I think it was Carr, yeah. He was declared Tony for Carr. the NBA draft today. So. I mean, good for him, but not good for Penn State. I would have liked to see him stay a little bit more and if, really kind of turn the program around fully. If, He's a sophomore. If he does stay, watch out for them in the Big Ten next year, though, for sure. I think he declared with an agent, so oh. he, well, he's then. gone. But That sucks. But still, nonetheless, I mean, good good for Penn State. That was uh, what they did this year was mm-hmm. really fun to watch. I know kind of they were on not right at the very end, but before that, or a little bit earlier in the – kind of championship week they were on the bubble yeah. um but they ended up getting in the nit and making the most of it there so uh no very very yeah. talented kind of underrated big 10 team for sure and a year where the conference was really weak uh i must say but still um penn state pretty much tore up the nit didn't they, they yeah much yeah they did. and, the and they they beat the best team in the nit which was Notre Dame. yeah so it's yeah they they looked really impressive against um I think it was yeah they won at Marquette too right after they won they at did. Notre Dame. Right? And Marquette 
Marquette was really good, and especially in that small gym, the Al McGuire Center, where they packed it. Right. It, it gets loud in there. And yeah, that was, it does. It's a tough environment, especially when you're going against the prolific shooting team with Marcus Howard and Andrew Rousey and Sam Hauser. Mm-hmm. You have to be on your game in order to, to outshoot those guys and beat them, and they and they did. So mm-hmm. congratulations to Penn State. So um, one thing that's kind of interesting to me is um, concerning – the NIT is kind of like, um, I guess we can talk about quarter systems probably later. Yeah, once. well, I was going to, yeah. Did you want to, were you going to? What did you think of the quarters? No, the I think, I think that um, there was no issue with scoring, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good sign, obviously. I mean, I, there was really no worries about how efficient it would be because we already see this in women's basketball. Obviously, that's different in terms of, um, scoring, but still, um, I think it worked really well, and I, I definitely think the NCAA should consider moving to the quarter system just because um, women's basketball, NBA, um, pretty much every basketball system in the world uses quarters system besides NCAA yeah. college basketball. I, I, do, I do like the fact um, that it's unique to men's college basketball, and I've, yeah, it is. I've kind of you know been very used to that now, having watched that all my life um and i think like it wasn't this season but the season before i know they sort of tried a experimental rules for quarters even like they tried where it was um they would reset the fouls at the 10 minute mark of each half they did the experimental rules for the cbi and so when i went to the cbi game loyola maryland at george mason they did that Mm -hmm. and it felt kind of weird but you know not not too bad I think this time it was a little bit more noticeable with the actual changing to quarters. Right. And so it'll be interesting if, you know, the steps that they've taken so far, resetting the fouls one year to then quarters the next year, if they do fully adopt the quarters this upcoming year. Right. No, yeah, I I definitely think that they're probably going to transition to it eventually. It's just kind of a matter of when. Because it did work uh, pretty well. And I think um, the fouls were no issue. There was still, like, pretty much the same amount of fouls that you'd see in a regular college basketball game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't an issue. Scoring wasn't an issue. So wasn't I think it, it was it was five fouls and you shoot. Correct. Right? Okay, so just yeah. like in uh, women's hoops too. Yeah, I think it's five as well. And NBA, right? It's five. Or no, uh, that's seven, isn't it? Six or seven? I can't remember because that's twelve minute quarters. So I can't remember. I think it's six or seven. I don't watch yeah. enough NBA to know. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I think they'll move to it eventually. There's really no issue with it moving. Um, because of the same amount of scoring, the same amount of fouls. So there wouldn't really be a huge change to the game anyway. So, but yeah, I'd like to see it. Um, I can see you already got that CBI bracket pulled up, so you're ready to talk about that, yeah, aren't my, you? Before well. we preview the championship game, we want to talk about the uh, the CBI a little bit. CBI, CIT, yeah, yeah sure. sure. We'll, Go ahead. We'll breeze through those. So um, North Texas won the CBI uh, two games to one in the final best of three series. Uh, they lost the first game at San Francisco, 72-62. They won the second game at the Super Pit in uh, Dentonton, 69-55. Uh, to 55. And then the last game, they were also at home, and they won 88-77. to 77. From what I saw, um, North Texas really wanted to be there, and they, they wanted to win. They were invested, and that's why they did win, I think, because San Francisco, I guess, yeah, they kind of wanted to be there, but – they, I think they didn't want to be there as much as North Texas. And North Texas really saw the opportunity, and they wanted to make the most of it. Um, 
they hosted the they had the home court advantage in the final series and you really saw like the university and all the student organizations and stuff on twitter like they were getting into it and they were really trying to fill the arena and i think they did a pretty good job of it which created a a good home court environment and that's part of what helped them get there um i think it was good for the cbi to have a wcc team and a conference usa team as opposed to like i don't know a southland and a WAC team or something like that um still though no a10 or mountain west teams this year which is kind of concerning for them moving forward but um all in all it was it was a pretty entertaining championship series um and i can't complain so congratulations to north texas who this year going into this year didn't have a single postseason win in four appearances and now they have a championship albeit a uh, kind of third or fourth tier tournament, but still, you know, <laughs> good for them. You know, I. How concerned are you about the future of these types of tournaments with kind of the downgrades that they've been having in terms of, the, yeah, the quality of programs that the have the quality appeared? and the number of teams too, correct? Um, because CIT has gone from thirty-two to twenty-six to now twenty this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, just how concerned? Yeah, are you? I'm. I'm. I'm not gonna lie. They actually, kind of. You know, there there definitely is real concern, and I feel like in four or five years, there's a chance that one of them could be gone or they could merge into one tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's possible, given just that they both pull for the same pool of teams, and there's only so many teams, and it seems like every year the number of teams that are considering a tournament like that is shrinking, and so eventually... Like, if you're going to get to a point where it's just, like, 16 teams and 16 teams or, like, 8 and 12 or even 8 and 8, you might as well just have only one tournament then. Um, I don't know, though, because I feel like they, they are separate, like, companies or organizations or entities, and so I feel like they they themselves would probably be hesitant to combine because um, neither one wants to kind of go under and be swallowed up by the other. But I feel like that would be... And this hurts me to say I feel like though that would that might be the best thing for college basketball to just so, combine it into like one 32 team tournament for all the for, for mid majors mid majors yeah cuz at this point I mean CBI is open to everybody but as we've seen kind of increasingly this, don't want to really this want is to play in essence here. becoming a mid major tournament the high majors are not wanting to play in it anymore it seems yeah, like I think this was the make or break year if the CBI could get on track and get another high major team and they showed that they were unable to so it's it's a mid-major tournament now i think that this was the year that the cit surpassed the cbi actually in quality because the winner of the cit which we'll get to in a minute northern colorado had a ken palm ranking of 102 yeah they were actually and and north texas had a ken palm ranking of 149 Uh so we're seeing which is kind of the better tournament definitely a a, uh probably one of the best what mid-major teams there were this year yeah um especially in terms of the big sky as well but obviously the big sky is not the greatest conference, but um, they're still like a top twenty conference according to to Ken Palm. So um, yeah. actually number seventeen according okay. to Ken Palm. And so I guess we'll get into that now. The semifinals you had UIC beating Liberty and Northern Colorado being Sam Houston State. Um, both were not particularly close games. Um, I would have hoped for Sam Houston State so that I could have gone to a championship game at UIC, but oh well. Um, UIC instead oh, uh, well. packed up and headed to Northern Colorado, and it, it was kind of a a blowout game for most of the game um just like game three of the cbi was um but then it it got pretty close in the second half because northern colorado has a player 
um, who put up like 40 in the semifinal game. Um, number 11, I, I can't remember his name again either. I'm Wait, who's really this? really slacking. Number 11 on Northern Colorado. Is it Spite? Yes, it is Spite. Yeah. Um, he had 40 in the semifinal and uh, 20 or 30 in the in the final. But he, he's really good, and you just can't stop the three-point shooting that they have. But UIC kind of scrapped back into it. Uh, the Steve McLean co- coach team, they were pretty tough. Ty Odiasi, uh was, was doing work. In the end, UIC finished with like three players on the – five-person CIT, all-CIT team. So, you know, good for them. They just couldn't keep up with Northern Colorado. Maybe it was the altitude a little bit too. I don't know. Either way, that was an impressive year for UIC. Um, Aside from that game, they had won like nine straight on the road, which was really impressive. And uh, also impressive year for Northern Colorado, uh, capping it off with uh, the Big Sky's first championship for any of their teams in a postseason tournament. So... Uh, good for them. For sure. That's all you got to say about the CIT? Uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, right. I, I'm actually kind of really interested if next year it's going to even go down from 20 teams. Um, wow, that would you be... You saw, though, there were teams this year that were saying, like, they pretty much want to be road-only teams. They don't want to host. And so I think this is increasingly more the issue. of You know, teams don't want to pay extra money because both Eastern Michigan and Central Michigan... Uh, made it pretty apparent they did not want to pay money to host. Portland State yeah. was a different situation. Their gym was under construction. Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Um it it it, it definitely is um pretty apparent that those tournaments are getting collectively worse um in quality, yeah. In quality at least um in terms of teams too cuz like you you always show me these highlights of the CBI back when they had like Oregon versus what was it like? In the Oregon cha- versus Creighton and yeah, Pitt like, versus Washington State. So like it's like all these and VCU St. Louis. Those were like the heyday of the CI- CBI. So all these pretty decent programs, with exception to Washington yep. State, that you know are, it, it, and still Washington State's a high major, so that's yeah. big for them. Yeah, but, but like the CBI. I mean, they had like Virginia, Texas, Wichita State, Butler. All back in the day, they they were in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Texas yeah. A&M, you know, I mean, good good teams. Mm-hmm. W- would you be shocked if I told you the C? W V U R F M. Valparaiso. Oh, I. Thanks to our good friend Coots, um, we just discovered that music had been playing over us for about 30 seconds. Oh, we apologize for that. So, um, Speaking of jobs, though, I wanted to say Jeff Capel got the job at Pitt. I think that was a good hire for them. He's a really good assistant coach. For was sure. At Duke, so. um, shout out to Cody Geyer, our good friend, who is yeah. also a Michigan fan, so he's probably feeling pretty <laughs> nervous about it right now. Yeah. But, um, so I guess so, let's talk about some national. So yeah, let's talk about the national championship. That's what Cody's here for. Yeah. Um. But anyway, sorry you had to listen to that CIT and CBI, Cody. Oh gosh. Yeah, I feel bad for him about that. <laughs> but um, um, just to give you some numbers before we get into some of the real discussion, um, BPI on ESPN seventy nine point eight percent leans towards Villanova. Um, 
on Ken Palm, a 69% chance that Villanova will win. Um, according What's to that thrill score? The thrill score is 78.6. For think, comparison, wasn't it like Sam Houston, Northern Colorado was like a 26? It was like a 19. Okay. Something yeah. like that. So, <laughs> so. Much more interesting game here. <laughs> but anyway, um, so pretty much every statistical site that you look at um, will be favoring Villanova. And that's not surprising. On paper, they're the better team. Um, but Michigan has surprised us, um, especially in the Big Ten tournament as well, beating um, a supposedly superior team on paper, Michigan State, and then beating Purdue. So those were the top two seeds, I think. Um, and, you know, Michigan, everyone knows Michigan is a tournament team. Um, they're one of those teams that gets really good in March. Yeah, they're, they they're, they turn I, into I a one seed like in them, March. Them and Providence are the two teams that, like, I feel like Oh, and Syracuse. And Syracuse. Well, Syracuse is a different story, but I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, because like, they don't deserve to those, be in. Those, those, well, yeah, they they don't. But <laughs> Syracuse every year should not be in because they lose a ton down the stretch. They get a ten or eleven seed and they go to the Elite Eight. Or the well, they four. they did please a lot of people last year by not putting them in. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. But um, and Jim Beheim complained about Greensboro and then he had to play Greensboro. But literally, it's fun. It, good, but, good thing he won that game too. Yeah, but but, but Michigan but, and Providence are always teams that do like you know, average in their conference mm-hmm. and then they like win their conference tournament and they get in or whatever. Um, yeah. And, um, I think Michigan didn't do average this year in the big 10. They went like 13 and five. They did. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, still the big 10 was a little weaker this year, mm-hmm. um, than it usually is. But, um, 13 and five in a power five conference is still very good. And, Unless um, it's the pack 12, huh? Unless it's the Pac-12. Unless it's the Pac-12, in which case you will not be getting in. Um, yeah, actually, you're, you're right. <laughs> pretty much. But USC didn't get in, and they were, like, number two in their conference. I thought that was pretty bogus, but whatever. Even if it's the Pac-12, a number two and a Power 5 should be in. That's just my opinion. But anyway, um, Michigan is um, an interesting team to talk about because, obviously, is, Va- is Wagner going to be able to carry them? Um, Martez Wagner. We we all, we love Mo Wagner here at uh, at Happening Hoops Radio Show. Um, even if I'm an Notre Dame fan, um, it's still fun to watch Michigan basketball. It's John Beeline. He always uh, is um, a great coach, and he always has a, a system of basketball that's fun to watch. Even though they're um, kind of a defensive um, oriented team um, this year, anyway. And so, what do you think is going to be? the X factor in this game, Ethan, going into, um, for either team, what do you think is going to, what, for, uh, how about this? How about I phrase it, rephrase the question? What does Michigan need to do to stay close with Villanova? Uh, Let's let I, him ponder I mean, on that. I, I'd say bench production. Ben, bench production? Okay. Yeah, they need, they need their bench guys to step up because, Michigan has a good starting five. They have some stars there, and I feel like if they're playing really well, their starting five could hang with Villanova's starting five. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to come down to the bench, in which I think Villanova has a big advantage. They'd... So it's going to take a lot for Michigan to. You know. I actually think I think Michigan's bench is also very good, though. Okay. See, I think the much of they do have DiVincenzo, but I think that that he's their sixth man. He's basically their starter. Yeah. Yeah. But I think. Players that come off the bench for Michigan, like um, John Teske, um, obviously Jordan Poole, who hit the game winner um, against Houston. Um, they obviously got Duncan Robinson, uh, a familiar. He doesn't start? 
Well, he didn't start in the Loyola game. Oh, okay. I think I think Livers actually started, but Duncan Robinson plays. Stat about Duncan Robinson. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. He's the only player to ever have played in the D three and the D one Final Four. Mm-hmm. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. But I think I think it kind of goes back and forth with Michigan over if Robinson starts or not. Um, so Michigan has a lot of good role players that come off the bench. Um, in terms of obviously Duncan Robinson, who's kind of like their sixth man, Tusky, um, I think I, I'm not sure how much he's going to play tonight. He didn't play that much versus Loyola, but um, I think he can come off the bench and, and give some good minutes to Michigan tonight. Um, but I think I think we've both agreed that Villanova is going to be kind of a Villanova is um, the favorite. Yeah. Villanova is the favorite, but I think we both agree as well that they're just going to outmatch Michigan. In pretty yeah. much every... I think I think it's going to be a Villanova win by at least 9 or 10. At least 9 or 10? Yeah. See, I think it's going to be closer than that. Um okay. but I do think Villanova's going to win. I think here's the thing. Michigan is um they haven't played um a top 5 seed. They have not. In this tournament, the highest seed that they played was the 6 and it was a good 6 too, Houston. Um and they somehow survived that game, which is pretty magical in its yeah. own right. Yeah, Houston um, was actually probably like a five seed more. Yeah, like. they. I think I think they deserved a five seed. Um, they would have. I think they would have been a five seed if they'd won that American Championship, most likely, if they'd beaten Cincinnati. Um, but it's just, I don't see where, besides Wagner, I don't see any matchups that pose a particular problem for Villanova. In yeah. my opinion, because they're so fast and athletic at pretty much every position and any player for Villanova can can light it up from downtown too and I I also like the coaching matchup in Villanova's favor Jay Wright over Beeline yeah Beeline's a great coach in his own right too he is he is I mean don't don't get me wrong I just I think that Jay Wright is one of uh, those like rare really gifted basketball minds no yeah he's 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 one of the the uh, country's best if not the best In, in some people's minds he is um, but I think that it's going to be closer than what people think. And that's coming from someone who, um, doesn't like Michigan that much. But, um, I think that, um, I think that, yeah, I think we're getting, uh, some fun, uh, some fun, uh, group member chat from, uh, Cody. He's kind of, a. Oh. and I, and I had wanted to say one, <laughs> one more got... thing about Jay Wright that he spent his first three years at Hofstra. And he actually had a losing record after that. Mm-hmm. And someone brought this up on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. But it was a really interesting point that I thought was very true. Um, that he had a losing right, a, a losing record after his first three years at Hofstra. And in nowadays' current climate, he probably would have been fired. Yeah. But they stuck with him, and he became a really good coach, and they moved on to Villanova. And mm-hmm. now you've obviously seen what he's done at Villanova. But he might not have been given the, the chance if he were starting out today. Right. Um, going a little bit off track here. Um, we did get that message from Cody who, um, the matchup between Xavier Simpson and Jalen Brunson. Now Xavier Simpson was pretty quiet in the game against Loyola. He had zero points overall, over six overall from the field. So he was, he had a pretty, um, quiet game, but, um, I think it's hard I to think, go against Brunson. I mean, he's the, he's well, he's the, the player, of the, player year. of the year. Yeah. So it, any player that you Simpson is good though. He is great. 
I, he had a um, look for him to have a bounce back game after that Loyola zero point uh, performance mm-hmm. for sure. I think he'll I think he'll be more of a presence in this game. Um, it'd also be fun to see um, Abdul Rahman, yeah, how he performs. Um, but I just don't see any way that Villanova is going to lose this game. I think they're just too efficient on both ends of the floor, and Jay Wright is just too elite of a coach for them to lose this game. They look so impressive against Kansas, man. I just they did. Go and ahead. Kansas is a good team too. Well, yeah, they're one of the one of it the best was, teams. I mean, the Villanova had a much wider margin of victory against the better team than mm-hmm. Michigan did. Right. There's, there's no way around that. Mm-hmm. I I think that I think that it's tough. It's really tough to evaluate Michigan in this game, and the only reason I say that is because, in my opinion, the best team that they've played. Houston was a team that they should have lost to. Um, but um, I think it was – was it Devin Davis? I think it was Devin Davis for Houston who missed the free throws and that um, allowed Michigan to get that game-winning three with, with Jordan Poole. But, um, you know, Houston choked at the end. Michigan ended up winning, and it could very well be. If Houston had won that game and they got that, that road that Michigan got, I think that they could have made it to the Final Four as well with the teams that they got to play, which was A&M. And, and then, that would have been – Really fun with either Loyola Chicago or Houston. Or Houston in the, in the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, make make Hakeem the dream proud. This but, is um the the final four though though um according to like the the spread or whatever, which I don't follow the spread, but I did see that it's the biggest one since 2010, Duke and Butler. Mm. Um, and I, I did point out to Ethan, you know, we all know how that game ended up. Yeah, yeah, we did. So Butler. Almost won that game. Hayward and for the win. Hayward for the win. Almost oh. won it. And so, oh, come and on, Duke dude. is the king of the dance, 2010. <laughs> <I was laughs> happiest moment of my life, no. But um, I think, by the way, that's best, just, best national championship I've ever watched. I think Villanova-UNC was a little better. I mean, some will say, yes. Some will say. Just, <laughs> that was like the best March Madness well, moment ever. But that one was like, it was like three inches away from the first mid-major winning it in the modern era and at that time butler was a mid-major and it was yeah, just that it was time. so good and it was against duke too like the mighty duke i'm surprised that yeah it was a great game it's just and it was really close to I villanova mean, unc that shot by it, yeah it was a good shot i just Marcus i think Page that it, was, it didn't have like the underdog against you know the david and goliath like it wasn't i mean both were good programs villanova and north carolina it just i think that's yeah, I understand where you're coming yeah. from. You got that mid-major type of uh, behavior. I get that. But, but um, to, to each his own. I mean, both were, were great yeah. games. So. Um, but anyway, I think that um, the biggest problem for Villanova is obviously going to be Wagner. It's just going to be interesting. Is who's going to play? Is it going to be Spellman or is it going to be Pascal? Who's going to be um, guarding him for most of the game in the post um, or even when he's on the perimeter? And because um, obviously he can shoot the three, we all know that. Um, so it's just going to be interesting. Is Michigan going to come out, and are they just going to are they going to rely a lot on Wagner and Matthews like they did in Loyola, um, or are they going to have to have some some big performances from players you know like Simpson against who's going to be guard, guarded uh, by Brunson, Abdul Rahman? Um, are they going to need some major? bench performances from Poole or, or Robinson if he if he doesn't start that is um Teske it's just going to be interesting to see that because um 
I think that Michigan's bench is going to have to have a rebound game for them to have a chance against Villanova. Mm-hmm. Because they were down 10 against Loyola last game. Imagine if they had that type of performance against Nova. They'll be out of it. Yeah. So they'll be down 20, you know. So, so it's just going to be it's going to be it's going to be interesting in that aspect. What final prediction of score and winner? Um I got Villanova winning um, 75 to 72. I think they'll win by three. Okay. Um, I think it's it's going to be close coming down to the wire. I think Villanova will come out with an early lead, early big lead, big lead, and I think Michigan will do what they did against Loyola, come back. Um, but I think Villanova is going to be too much. I do think it's going to be closer than some people think, though. Okay. I I think it's going to be 73-66 Villanova. I think Villanova um, might have a little bit of a slow start early, but then, you know, by midway through the first half, they'll develop a, a comfortable lead and kind of won't look back, and Michigan won't be able to kind of keep, yeah, get get closer than arms reach. Yeah, there's just yeah. so much talent on this Villanova roster. I really, I if if Villanova actually loses this game, I'll be shocked. Yeah, but that's why they play the game. Yep. So, um, yeah, that that's our prediction. We both got Nova winning. I, last year we had different uh, opinions over who's going to win it. You had Gonzaga, I had North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So this was this is a, a rare a rare occurrence in Happening Hoops headquarters. Both Ethan and Chase are a picking the same team to win it and b rooting for the same team. So can you believe that? Yeah, Ethan and Chase are agreeing on something, and I just think that's that that's a that's a landmark moment, <laughs> in my opinion. So, um, yeah, but it's I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I just I don't know, man. It's 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 really tough to predict this game. I think Michigan could very well shock the world, but I just don't see it against Villanova. I could see it against Kansas. Kansas, if Kansas had won that game, I definitely could have seen Michigan winning. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. Yeah, but Villanova is just a whole different story, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, we're at seven fifteen. We plan to go to seven thirty. I don't know if there's. I think I think we're. I think we're good. We don't um, really have anything more to talk about. I, I guess just kind of, um, you know, uh, giving people. So so we'll we'll be back next week to talk about the national championship game. Um, and I, I think that will probably be the only thing we had to talk about. Um, and then maybe like in this spring, we'll plan on that being our last episode, mm-hmm. unless there's major conference realignment news. Um, like, like we did last, you know, year where Wichita state and Valpo and Uipui all moved conferences and we talked about that, but, um, Unless that that happens, that'll probably be our last episode. Gonzaga could move to the Mountain West. You know, there's been talk about that. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, we'll just kind of keep you updated on coaching and scheduling news over Twitter. Um, personal note, I, you won't be hearing much from Happening Hoops over the summer because I got accepted to a study abroad program in South Africa. So I'll be there for seven weeks and will not be tweeting much. But um, up until then... I'll be tweeting on Happening Hoops uh, Twitter account, which we're very close to 1,000 followers. So go over to Happening Hoops Twitter and give us a follow if you aren't already. Please. <laughs> Please follow us. Um, yeah. And then um, also check out the website, happeninghoops.com. I'll be doing a few 
end of season things on there, the end of season Maryland power rankings and talking about all my road trips and stuff. So uh, we'll, we'll be doing that. And then hopefully looking to kind of get uh, the YouTube channel, which up and running, which we haven't posted on really at all. So maybe post podcasts there and, um, you know, I'd like to do a video with all the pictures and videos from our road trips. That would be kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, last episode next week, unless there is a conference shuffling and changing of teams. For sure. Um, it's also going to be an issue, I think, that I will. I, if I do get accepted to Greece, um, next, I won't be here in the spring of next year. Oh, yes. Um, yes. So if, you, if we do do the show, I won't be here. Um so that, that might be an issue, but um, we'll see if I actually get accepted first. But um, well, best of luck. Yeah, we do have we do have study abroad plans, both me and Ethan. So that's good. Um, that'd also be tough trying to watch March Madness when I'm in Greece in the spring. They're like, oh yeah, they're like seven hours ahead of Central you Time. Might, I think you might have to take a year off from watching <laughs> the March Madness. <laughs> oh man, that's rough, dude. I inject that stuff into my veins. That's what I live for. Um, Who's that? <laughs> Kevin Sweeney. I inject. Please inject was, this game into my veins. He was watching the three v three stuff, <laughs> and yeah. he tweeted about it, and he's like, "This the swack is winning. Inject this stuff into my veins." <laughs> when they beat the Big Twelve or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What the heck, dude?" Anyway, shout out to Kevin Sweeney for uh, using basketball to to uh, push his uh, basketball drug addiction. But um, no, I, I didn't actually watch any of that. Because I, I, figured... I watched a little bit of it. I saw um, it was like the I want to say the WAC versus like the SoCon. I saw a little bit, and then I watched like a little bit of the Missouri Valley versus the America East. It was fun. I, I like the idea um, where it's like you take guys from different teams and you all put them together to represent one's conference, and it it looked really cool because it's like you know these guys that are usually competing against each other are teammates, and I, I like that. I didn't particularly like the just tossing them a sack of money like it's this is like some AAU stuff Vegas. at the end. Like that that was that was weird. Um, and they're like they're like throwing the bag around. It's yeah, just and they like, like they open won. it up and they're like raining money all over the place. I'm like, what is this? It's like pockets like, of money. Is, is is that is that income being taxed? Hey, like, the, what's, what's going the, on here? Did the Big Ten win right? Big Ten won, but and they almost, got like 50k. Every other high major conference lost, and that was that was kind of cool to see the mid majors, you know. Yeah, the the SWAC beat the Big Twelve and the MIAC beat the ACC. Only time. I mean, let's be real here. (laughs) Let's be real here. That wasn't like to come to the defense of the high majors, (laughs) as I usually do. But anyway, um, no, that was pretty interesting. I think the Big Ten won like fifty k for winning it or something. Like that was insane. Uh, Yeah, yeah, they did. It was like fifty k. That must have been a big money bag. Yeah. But anyway, it's like Santa's sack. They bring over a money wheelbarrow. (laughs) (laughs) Going out, yeah, with a wheelbarrow like Santa's sack. One um, thing I also want to see if they continue next year is the um, charity games in October and November, charity exhibition games, because those were actually really fun. I went to, like, three of them, um, Michigan State, Marquette, and Chicago State, and they they were all really fun, but they were also – it was even better because it was donating money for good causes. Right. And, you know, I hope that we don't have disasters that we donate causes to, but I hope that, you know – they do still find a way to do these charity exhibitions and they, the money gets donated to, you know, good causes. Cause that, I think that's a thing that they should keep up every year from now. And I, I feel like it's kind of one of those things that's like, why didn't we start it sooner? Like it's a, it's a great idea and for a great cause. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's gonna I think that's gonna wrap it up for us here. Um, yeah, as we're only coming like, in just a little bit under an hour, we wow. need to come in early. Oh my goodness, can we like can we like bookmark this because we just completely? I think that's the first time we've actually gone under an hour. Yeah, because we always go over. Yeah, so, this is um, a landmark event here at yeah. Happening Hoops headquarters. <laughs> um, this will go down in history. So short um, short podcast for those of you. Yeah, <laughs> short podcast like fifty minutes. What the heck is this? Yeah, Happening Hoops never goes that short. Um, I will. Um, I I want to alert everybody that I do have the um, the Kevin Connors interview still uh, to upload. Um, so there's that. But I'll get that uploaded um, with this podcast. So that should be soon. But anyway, um, we thank um, everybody who listens live and everybody who reads our websites because we did have a lot of uh, increased listeners. Um, to our podcast mainly because I of was Porter. tweeting out that Porter Mojo yeah. link like crazy. Porter Mojo, <laughs> we did have we did have increased views, so thank you everybody for listening to that what's, interview. What's the number up to on that one? Heck, I don't know, dude. Okay. I haven't checked today. That's fine, but um, <laughs> that's great. So thank you everybody for for listening and reading our website as the brand continues to grow. We're almost to a thousand followers, so that's really cool to see. Yeah, and I guess I was going to announce it later, but I'll I'll announce it now. Probably by the time you're listening to it. Was this the podcast, big news you were is, talking about? This is after. Yeah, this is the big news. Oh, I don't even um, know this, dude. For once, we do get a thousand followers, which we've been stuck oh at like gosh. thirteen shy for like two weeks. So, <laughs> so but that's we like that stagnant <laughs> growth here at Happening Hoops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been like one person follows, one unfollows, and we're pretty much stuck at that. At okay. same. So, but um, when we do get to a thousand followers, uh, gonna do a big giveaway to say thank you for all the support that you've shown Happening Hoops. When I first created this, I never thought, never imagined in my wildest dreams this would be where it is now a thousand Twitter followers interviewing a final four head coach covering big East conference games. Like this is ridiculous. I didn't think I'd be doing this at, especially at age 19. Like this is, this is crazy. So I just want to, uh, you know, show thank you, uh, in the way that I thought of, um, to people that have been supporting the brand, um, you know, for a long time, for a short time, however much, um, but I'll be giving away, because I'm I'm a I don't know if other people like this, but I'm a big person who loves to collect college basketball memorabilia and stuff. So um, gonna be have having stuff like T-shirts, um, cups, magnet schedules, programs, box scores, um, pretty much anything. You know, I'll probably have I think uh, three kind of prize packs. So there'll be three different winners. Each pack is gonna have you know a shirt in it and some other stuff. And so uh, we'll see what else I can get. Maybe I'll try to even contact. Uh, Lexi, who works at the Valpo um, uh, sports media department, see if I can get a bobblehead too. So uh, put together those prize packs for a thousand followers, and then we'll give it away somehow. So there's the big news coming out of Happening Hoops. <laughs> we have a big giveaway set up. But um, anyway, we gotta hurry up and end this podcast so yes, that we to get so under that, the hour. <laughs> so we got we get under the hour. We don't want to just talk the talk and not walk the walk. We were just bragging about going under the hour. We might not. So let's yep. just end this podcast soon. You want to sign us off, Ethan, before yep. next week? So thank you all for uh, listening to the Happening Hoops Radio Show podcast. However, you've been listening, um, and enjoy the championship game tonight. If you're hearing this before it, um, if not, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, you know, it's been a great college basketball season. Thank you for joining us. Uh, along the journey. This is Ethan and Chase signing off for now. We'll be back.